0: The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. We're really trying to change the way health or wellness brands talk to consumers. I think I grew up as a child having so many brands tell me that this is skinny. This is guilt-free. This is low-calorie. And it was really like capitalizing on insecurities to sell me something instead of showing me how good healthy food can make you feel
1: born into the natural products industry he's a serious social strategist who loves natural foods and has his pulse on everything the industry has to offer join kyle on his journey navigating through the natural products industry where he will be connecting you with brands founders retailers influencers industry leaders and so much more to give you a behind the scenes look Welcome to Time to Grow with your host, Kyle Marsham. Welcome back, everybody, to the Time to Grow show where we take you behind the scenes of the fast-paced natural products industry. Today, we have Stella, founder and CEO of Stellar Eats, an incredible line of baking products, all grain-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, plant-based, paleo-friendly. Stellar Eats is on a mission to change the way we think and feel about food. Um, their tagline is healthy eats that taste like treats. I really do love that the first time I read it. It's very catchy. Stella, welcome to the show. Um, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Of course before we jump into Stella eats, I want to know a little bit more about you you know where did the entrepreneurial journey start? um you know kind of before stellar eats
0: yeah absolutely so i grew up in toronto i'm a holistic nutritionist um kind of by trade leader in my 20s but before then i grew up in a family that loved cooking so i just you know grew up cooking and baking so much with my mom and my grandma and my cousins and i feel like our family all the times that we were happiest and closest together really served, like was around food so it was always just really my happy, happy place. Um, I didn't have any business experience, so I, you know, graduated high school, went to McGill, I studied anthropology and um, <laughs> English, so not the most employable right out of the gate. Um, and then I started a food blog after I graduated, and that so that was called Stellar Health. It had a couple different names, but we sort of landed there, and it kind of took off. So I was really just doing food blogging for a while. And then I discovered this holistic nutrition program in Toronto that when I read the courses, it just really felt like me. Um, And I got really excited. So I applied and got in and that's kind of where the Stellar Eats journey began. Um, I graduated and I started seeing some kind of one-off nutrition clients here and there. And because of my food blog, a lot of them kept asking questions like, oh, I just wish you would cook for me. Um, Or will you, I wish, yeah, like just be my private chef, things like that. So with really no business experience, I decided to start a meal delivery business. It was going to be organic. It was going to be paleo. It was, you know, all these things that I was really excited about. Um, but like i said zero experience with business so i really didn't know what i was doing i we joke now in my team that i literally set our pricing based on like a gut feeling that i had which is so funny <laughs> to look back on i was like yeah that sounds like a good price um, didn't even like know what margins were so that was kind of how Stellar Eats started, because that's what it was called. Um, and then the way the team kind of started growing was I, my cousin, Michelle, who had just had a baby, she started ordering meals for me. And then at a certain point, she kind of looked at me, I was like, do you need help? And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm drowning here. So she came on because she had just exited a company. So she came on as really the business side of it. And I was in the kitchen. That's kind of how Stellar Eat started, it grew quite a bit, but you know, there's a lot of logistical issues with running a restaurant. Like people say running a restaurant is hard. We were basically doing that. And you know, like finding kitchen space and dealing with all the minimums and dealing with raw meat and raw vegetables and things that expired. So there were just so many things and I, that weren't working even though I loved being in food. And I actually found a note in my phone from years before that just said healthy baking mixes and I basically called Michelle after like a year and a half of the meal delivery thing I was like do you want to pivot our entire business because I think this kind of solves all of our problems that's how Stellar came to be that was kind of my entrepreneurial journey
1: well it's there's a few things that I that I took from that right you you have a you have a, you have a degree in English or a minor in English from yes. McGill yeah so okay. what's funny is today, everything's so content-driven, right? So if you're not good with your words, with copy, you know, you, you either have to outsource it or you have to bring somebody or whatever, right? And you, because we're such a digitally-driven, content-driven, you know, economy, you're, the, the hardest part is naming the products, describing the products, making sure all that is set up. So you, you you are already set up for success because of your education, even though it wasn't in business or whatever, right? And then the pricing thing, right they always say you know start at your retail and work backwards so you kind of did that right you were probably you had a lot of impressions based on just shopping in general right and you're probably like oh it's 11.99 sounds good right and then once you figured it out you had to work backwards and then you're like okay we need to make some money here these raw materials aren't getting any cheaper
0: yeah
1: right and then but you started where you should have started right it's just
0: you amazing you, know, you fell that's, into it <laughs> i've never looked at it that way that's so funny and yeah i think it's I think that's so much of what entrepreneurship is. It's like taking the mishmash of skills you have and figuring out how do I how do I make this work. Um, so yeah, I never really thought about the English thing, but I did always love writing, and that is still to this day something that I love about running a business is, you know, when people are like describe the business, it's like the the written aspect of it is something that I've always loved doing. So that's yeah. that's really funny.
1: <laughs> no, that's awesome. The the blog, I'm fascinated by the blog, right? And it sounds like that really is what set up Stellar Eats to what it is today, right? That really got you the, the consumers or the, the people that started engaging with you. Can you dive into a little bit of how that started um, and is it still operating today?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely taken a backseat. Um, I always I, I don't know, I think it it had a bunch of different iterations. I think first, I was really I love Michael Holland, the food writer. So mm-hmm. um, at first, I was like, Okay, I'm gonna kind of, you know, be like a food journalist. And then it and then I also had recipes. So it was a food blog where I would just post creative recipes, a lot of which actually were kind of, I guess, looking back inspiration for stellar eats, because I think my philosophy when it comes to healthy food has always been, it should taste good. Like I'm not going to eat anything that tastes like cardboard. I'm not eating, you know, sad chicken and broccoli every day. I really want to eat. I want to eat mac and cheese. I want to eat pizza. I want to eat all the good foods just made with, you know, some more like real food or natural ingredients. So that was really what my food blog was about. It was a lot of these comfort food classics turned into like, or just made with different ingredients that maybe were a bit less conventional at the time.
1: You, you mentioned on your website and it, that you, you're, you're, pretty much open about it that you struggled with disordered eating. And that was a problem. And it's a a problem with with many young women, young men, you know, and it's more and more uh, a problem with mental health and everything like that, right? There's so many underlying causes. But what role did that play in, you know, maybe you changing your career and then starting Stellar Eats? Because again, I love the healthy treats, healthy eats that taste like treats, right? It's it really speaks volumes to what you're doing.
0: Thank you. And yeah, I am. I'm, I'm really open about this. I think that the discussion, I think it just should be more a part of the discussion because so many people I know have struggled with it. And you say, you know, what role did it play in the inception of Stellar Eats? I'm like, what role didn't it play? <laughs> so I think, um, you know, starting in high school, I struggled with disordered eating um, and, you know, had... By probably my mid-20s tried every diet out there like if there was a diet that promised something I had tried it and I was miserable and like people say you know diets don't work you never feel good um and it's just eating a lot of products for my whole childhood that you know would promise things like I I feel like we all remember the 100 calorie snack packs and things that you know they're not doing good things for your body. They're just low calorie, which doesn't even really mean anything. So there was a lot of struggles throughout my teenage years and early twenties. And then at a certain point I tried, I heard about the paleo diet and like I've said, I, whatever there was, I would try it. So I started the paleo diet and what ended up happening was that I sort of cut out all these processed foods. Like I wouldn't drink a diet Coke every day. I would, Mm -hmm. instead I was eating basically a ton of vegetables, nuts and seeds, some animal protein and healthy fats like avocado. And I describe it as this kind of aha moment because I was like, it didn't occur to me before this point that people ate healthy for reasons other than just being skinny. I was like, oh, I feel amazing. Like I have energy, which I hadn't had for years of, you know, depriving myself foods that I wanted to eat. So that was really this big aha moment where I was like, I don't think enough people are talking about this, like that it actually feels really good to fuel yourself with whole food ingredients, real food ingredients. Um, and I think that the role that that has really played in the, in Stellar Eats is we're really trying to change the way health or wellness brands talk to consumers. I think I grew up as a child having so many brands tell me that this is skinny, this is guilt-free, this is low calorie. And it was really like capitalizing on insecurities to sell me something instead of showing me how good healthy food can make you feel. So I think we're really careful and really intentional about the language that we use throughout all of our Stellar Eats messaging of we don't use any of those words. We really focus on making people feel empowered. Um, So I think that's one piece. And then the other piece of it is I always had a lot of confidence in the kitchen. I don't really know where it came from, maybe just my family, but I just feel like if I'm in the kitchen, it's like I'm invincible. I feel like no matter how many mistakes I made or, or what is burnt, I can always fix it. Um, so I have this like, nothing is ever ruined mentality. And I was like, I want other people to be able to feel that confidence in the kitchen. Like maybe we don't feel it in our day-to-day lives but I can at least help people. If I give you a mix that's gonna work every time and make you feel like you made something really good at home that tastes good and is healthy, then I've that's my job, you know? So that's kind of the role it's played.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. There's, there's so much, um, good stuff that you just mentioned, right? The, the dieting world is, is very harmful, right? Like I've gone through it right where I'm eating chicken and broccoli and hating myself at the end of the day, right? And I'm, you know, I can't wait to have a slice of pizza or whatever. Um, You know, and we still find ourselves. My wife and I, we still find ourselves. You know, going into that diet phase, or you just want to lose a little bit of weight, which is okay. But at the end of the day, we look at it. We've recently looked at it, where it's just like, what's our lifestyle look like over twelve months? And it's like we're always kind of just eating healthy and are aware of the foods we eat. But then it's, you know, like you said, how it makes you feel so much better. And then when you have like you know, God forbid you have some McDonald's. Right. And then you just, you do feel like crap after it though. Right. And the more and more you have alcohol and processed foods, and then you switch back over to what your healthy lifestyle should be. You know, you do notice the benefits of just your mood, your, your overall health, your ability to work out more, your clarity in your head. Right. And, and, you know, so you, you touched on a light. It's, it's a, a lot, it's a, it's a lifestyle and we have to, you know, remove those, the stigma of dieting, Right. And I think you're, you're doing a good job with what you're doing.
0: Thank you. To- and I I totally know what you mean. I think diet, I think diet culture really likes to create this all or nothing mentality where it's like either you're eating pizza and cookies and McDonald's or you're like a green smoothie sipping goddess. <laughs> and I, I really, I think it's, it's, it's taken a long time for me. And I think a big way out of the disordered eating headspace for me was Really trying to see that you know all of those things can have a place in your life. Um, so okay. and there shouldn't be guilt involved in it um, and it try- and that's like that feels like the most radical thing because everything in our society tells us it's one or the other when like you just said, it's like, what does your lifestyle look like over twelve months? It's obviously both, and that's totally fine.
1: yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Social media doesn't help, right oh. you're you're constantly absorbing content that isn't helpful to yourself whatsoever, but you had a moment right when you started where social media greatly benefited your business. Can you dive into that a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think, um, we, we got, we got really like, I mean, a lot of hard work went into Stellar Eats, but I or sorry, Stellar Health, the food blog. And that definitely helped kickstart the the first few customers we had and our loyal following for that. But I think really over time what I've loved is seeing people discover it not through our social media like word of mouth referrals or seeing us on shelves and seeing how the branding stands out. I think that's super cool to me. Um, I definitely have a love-hate relationship with social media like all of us do. I think yeah. it's it's just so easy to get sucked into the comparison trap and it takes a lot of power to not let yourself go down that rabbit hole. Um, even when I, and it's like, it's so funny because if it's not about, you know, body comparison, it can even be about business comparison. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure I've, I've seen, you know, brands that I see on Instagram and I'm like, oh, like we should be doing more of that. Or like, why don't we do, why don't we do that? Or like, you know, we're we have the time to edit really cool videos all the time, <laughs> whatever it is, it's like, there's always going to be someone doing it differently. And I think it's a, it's definitely a constant struggle to not compare and to see that, you know, there's space for everyone.
1: Yeah, totally. It's the, the business one's funny, right? The, the lifestyle and the, you know, going back to the diets or whatever, that's, I feel like that's always been there, but there seems to have been, maybe it's just, I'm getting targeted more for business stuff. Right. But you see, you know, some brands that are just, You know, they're, they're almost their own reality TV shows, or you have people that are just really good at producing content. And you do ask yourself, you're like, you know, why can't I do that? Right. And and I've had this discussion with so many brands and they're just like, you know, it's not us. You know, I don't want to do that every day. It's very difficult, right? It's not easy for some people. Right. But, um, yeah, I know it is, it is definitely difficult, right? Startups experience the highs of highs and the lows of lows, right? It's it's a roller coaster of a ride. I've experienced it on the broker side and and in my own company today. Yeah. Can you share some of those experiences? Maybe a really high point where, you know, you you know you sold and hit that target or you met someone cool or whatever it may be that really ignited that that fire. And then maybe the lowest low of something that you're struggling with.
0: Totally. Oh my goodness. It is a roller coaster. (laughs) <laughs> um, truly the highest highs and the lowest lows. Um, I think one of the, okay, so a high high would be, I think, um, when we were, you know, early 2021, we really were thinking about expanding into the USA. Um, we're Canadian founded. So we really were looking at what would that, yeah, what would that look like? And throughout all these, Conversations, we were really excited about Air One Market because I feel like everyone knows it from social media. Yeah. We sort of were like, okay, that's the whole the
1: Kardashian grill. shop there.
0: <laughs> yeah, like the Holy grail, you know, like celebrity shopping there. Yeah. It's, it feels like such a scene. So we were really, you know, we were kind of like, okay, one day, like that's our goal. And we got an email from Air One Market basically saying, hey, we're interested in your products. Can we have some samples sent to us? And honestly, it was like, my heart stopped. I thought we were being punked. Like I completely was like, someone knows that this is our goal and they're pranking us. So it turned out not to be a prank, which was unbelievable. So we sent them samples. And then all of a sudden, we just get all these emails in our inbox going like, this one's been approved. This product's been approved. This product's been approved. And we were just watching them come in like jaws on the floor. And you know, no one knows who we are in the states, so we were like, I think we have to go to LA to for this launch. Like, we have to yeah. go and sample cookies because no <laughs> one's gonna pull us off the shelves. But if they try the cookie, I'm confident that they, you know, they will one day. So we went to LA. So I think that was just such a such a high. It was so much fun and getting to travel with. We I went with Emma, my uh, one of my co-founders, and that was just the best. Um, that's definitely a high. Um, and then a low, I feel like, I mean, I have lows every day, but I feel <laughs> like the, um, one that really sticks out is when we were first starting out with Stellar Eats, we were hand mixing and pouring all the powder into bag. Oh we were, it was so insane. It was like. First of all, we were using a kitchen in off hours so that means when the people who own the kitchen are done and they leave around 6pm you get to go in but sometimes it wouldn't be until about 8pm so this was really early days we didn't have um, storage at the kitchen so basically we had to go and like lug 50 pound bags of cocoa powder almond flour everything down this sketchy dark hallway at like 9 p.m. 10 p.m. 11 p.m. into these kitchen spaces and then hand mix and hand pour all the powder into bags and then we hand heat sealed them. So it just it was so inefficient. It took so much time and it was just so tedious. I keep I always say like food is just not meant to be mass produced by hand. So one day we sealed about 200 of our chocolate cake mix and I realized that we had a bunch of we were supposed to make a, it was the batch was supposed to be 250 and we sealed 200 bags and the powder was done so we had 50 empty bags and I was like oh my god I forgot a crucial ingredient in the mix oh my gosh so we had to. it was like midnight and we had to open every bag pour them all back out, remix everything. It was just like, we were laughing and crying the entire time. So it was fine. Like, I mean, it's so nice to be with a team that you love so much and that we can laugh at those things because obviously that moment when you realize you've made, I made the mistake and I felt so terrible and they were just so kind about it. And we all just laughed and restarted.
1: Those are the stories that'll be with you for life, right? When you look back on it, and you're like, remember that time I forgot the ingredients? And they'll be like, yep, we did. Oh. We do.
0: Oh, yeah. There's also been a couple powder explosions, like when we were in the kitchen and we were using a big standing mixer and it was accidentally on a setting that was too high. So we had like a full batch of our biscuit mix in the mixer and I turned it on and it was just like a white cloud poof all over the kitchen it took us literally hours to clean I feel like I'm making all these mistakes, which is funny. So sorry a lot
1: of, me. a lot of the startup stories, right. are, 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 are start out the exact same way. If you look at, you know, there's a few kombucha brands on podcasts that I've listened to. Um, Pita chips is one that I just re- recently listened to where they would did the same thing where they went into a, a kitchen after hours to reduce um, costs. And then they were just like figuring it out on the fly, you know, not knowing where they were going to get some ingredients from and, and whatever. So, but those are the stories that make it so exciting. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. And I think it is just so one of those things where if someone had told me all these stories and what it would take before I started, I never would have started. Like, I think it was so good that I went in so naive with no business experience. Cause every step along the way, I was like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. And then somehow manage, (laughs) I don't know how.
1: Yeah, Then you got to start thinking about the operational side. Once you start scaling, getting distribution, hiring a broker, figuring out your margins, so you start making money. And then once that's running smoothly, innovation, social media, right? It's a, it's a beast that doesn't stop turning once you start it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every day I'm like, oh, that's something new that we're going to have to deal with in three months that I didn't know existed. Like, to be honest, I didn't know... The dist- I didn't know the distributors existed when I started Stellar Eats. I was like, "Oh, you just sell to stores." Like, we went with our little cookie mixes and our ma- and our prepared cookies, and we knocked on the door at Fiesta Farms and Summerhill Market, and we begged to talk to the buyer, and we made them try a cookie in front of us, and they took our product, and we were like, "That's amazing! That's the best feeling." And I just sort of thought, "That's that's what running a food business is." And then all of a sudden, you're in this situation where, yeah, there's brokers and distributors and like logistics teams and fulfillment centers. And I'm like, I don't know how I got here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's definitely exciting. So what, what has that been like? I guess it's just a daily learning curve, right? It's um, you know, I guess it's good having a broker where they can educate you on some of the historical stuff, stuff of the industry, um, you know, distributor. And then you talk about pricing, right? You have to layer in all the people that are involved, To get to you know that desired price point that you know is is tricky when you know you're thinking about the consumer
0: totally and that's where i have to give so much credit to my team um michelle and emma well one michelle actually worked the company that she was at before that she started was an eco-friendly distribution company so she was really familiar with the distributor space which was so key in setting our pricing because early days when we went to set our pricing she knew the margins that we would need at some point in order to work with a distributor. So that was super helpful. And then, yeah, we're talking about, you know, low lows. I really feel like Emma is just, you know, my work wife. Like we talk all day, every day. And she was a friend of mine before. So we've been friends since high school and it's just been, it's been awesome working together and even though it's a roller coaster I feel like it's just so nice to be surrounded by a team that is full of strong women that can be your sounding boards and you know people that you just love spending so much time with
1: Yeah, one of the one of the things we see frequently on the Marsham brokerage side is is the price list right and not under understanding the distributor versus direct pricing model because as you scale your business you're going to want to maybe eliminate the distributor and go direct for cost savings for margin right? So you need to give them a cheaper price and then you give your direct customers a higher price. So then you have price parity in the market. So you don't have, you know, retailers that are, you know, going 999 and 1299 and, you know, then the consumer's upset, right? So setting that up early is, is extremely important. The number of times where it's not is, uh, you know, you can, you can't even count it on your hand, but, um, well, no, it's it's, uh, it's a fun journey at the same time. It's extremely exciting. Do you want to go through Stellar Eats, the products? Um, you have a seasonal one that's available. Um, yeah. You know, maybe the pricing, some cool stuff you're doing for the holidays, if you want to uh, dive into the actual products.
0: Yeah, for sure. So we launched with four products, which we, uh, we developed, you know, in our home kitchens. <laughs> um, it was the chocolate. We have a chocolate chip cookie mix pizza dough mix a biscuit and scone mix and a cupcake mix and or chocolate cake and cupcake and the funny thing was that the biscuit mix I feel like when we first launched with it I was like this is so random but part of it was that we were really 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 trying to make a bagel and we were so determined and we I cannot tell you like I think I've tested this bagel recipe we keep we go back to it every so often and we're like okay we're gonna make it happen and then it's 17 more tests and we're like I can never look at a bagel again like (laughs) it's it's so hard to get the right texture so that at a certain point the biscuit just kept coming out or the what we thought was a bagel kept coming out just tasting like a buttery biscuit and we were like okay at a certain point we're just like you know what we're making a biscuit (laughs) like we have the recipe down so that's kind of how that one came to be then we launched fudge brownie and pancake and the fudge brownie was really a labor of love during peak lockdown pandemic days I think Emma and I made upwards of 50 brownies there were points where both of our freezers were just packed with like batch (laughs) batch 30 batch 35 like so many different batches our partners were so sick of eating brownies um and and then yeah we launched with those and then the next two we launched with were banana bread and double chocolate chip cookie. And I think the double chocolate chip cookie is really similar to our first one. The banana bread is super unique. Um, I think like there's a lot of banana bread mixes out there that use a lot of, you know, like fake banana flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so ours is kind of going along with that. We want people to feel empowered and confident in the kitchen. We actually get you to add fresh banana, like ma- you mash the banana in. So it's really just, adding that step that makes people feel like you know this is real food that I can recognize like it's not banana powder Um, and then we just launched one of our most popular mixes ever we launched it last year super limited edition it's our gingerbread cookie mix and it's like kind of one of those like ginger molasses type cookies like gooey on the inside very nicely spiced um but yeah that one we we were making it ourselves last year and we only like we know we made such a limited amount so this year we knew how popular it was so we think we're a bit better prepared for it to last longer than like two weeks um but yeah those are our nine products currently and i think we have some more seasonal ones coming
1: is that um you know, the, the funnest thing for you is the product innovation side of it. I think that would be the funnest for me, right? Just being created and being like, Oh, seeing something in the market or, you know, trying something that's why traveling is so fun, right? You see so many good ideas come out of traveling and it's just like, okay, we're baking this when we get home and you know, this is our next product or whatever. Right.
0: Totally. Totally. I love, like, I love developing the recipes it's definitely more fun when Emma and I do it together. Um, I think it's just nice to have someone to bounce ideas off of and to, you know, for us to be able to taste it and be like, okay, this is it, or this is not it. Cause you know, it's fun for the first few, but then if it's not working, then, you know, the 30th test gets a little bit tricky (laughs) and you can, there's definitely like, there's lows in that process of, you know, we're like, what are we been doing? Does this work at all? But I think overall it's it's really fun. We do enjoy it a lot.
1: Which is your favorite product currently?
0: Um, that's a good question.
1: Maybe from the reason why you created it, taste. Um, yeah, maybe for a few different reasons.
0: I think the banana bread is my favorite. The two, I think gingerbread cookie is a hard one. Like it's just, I mean, it's so good and it's like a seasonal product. So I definitely love it when it's around the yeah. um, so gingerbread cookies, definitely up there for me, but the banana bread. Yeah, I love it. And it's funny because I actually can't take any credit for that recipe at all. Like Emma literally just messaged me on Slack being like, I think I have our banana bread recipe, sent it to me. I tested it. I was like, this is perfect. And it was done. Like it was, so easy to make and I think when a lot of people make it they they you know they say really nice things about it like it's the best banana bread they've tasted so like that's always really nice feedback to get
1: my my mom used to make a she still does makes a really good banana bread well we found out that it was a banana spice cake so it had a lot of other ingredients in it and then we would always try to remake it and we could never, never do it. There's always a few secret ingredients where it would crumble, but what, what, what do you have to add into most of the products to bring them to life? Right. It's simple. It's easy. Right.
0: Yeah. So that was, this is a funny thing about product development for us Um, is that we really, you know, there are other healthy baking mixes out there, but when we would read the things that customers have to add into them, we were pretty horrified. Like, half a cup of almond butter, half a cup of honey. I'm like, no one wants to put an entire jar of almond butter into this already expensive mix. So we really, really tried, you know, we, we looked at the Betty Crockers and the Duncan Hines of the world. And we were like, these are easy add-ins that people have at home. How do we make it as easy as that? But using, you know, almond flour, coconut sugar, like flaxseed, like how do we make, our mixes work with those simple add-ins so we it was sort of the science experiment where we were like this is the control group we can only ask people to add eggs oil water work backwards like how you know how do you make that work so that was definitely challenging but we really really want it to be simple I feel like you know bananas are probably like the most difficult thing we ask people to add and I was a bit hesitant because I was like oh people want it to be easy but it seems like people do like having that you know like they feel more involved when they're adding real food to it. It feels more authentic.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I'm uh, definitely not the best in the kitchen, but
0: um, right, you, for you, <laughs> you,
1: you, you've made it, uh, you made it a little bit easier. So thank you. <laughs> Where do you see stellar eats in the next three, five years?
0: Great question. I think um, I definitely see us with more product. Um, I really think, I think we're, we're interested in really sticking within this treats category and, you know, what does it mean to redefine, like redefining what it means to eat a treat made with real food ingredients. I think we're really in a position with our production now because we don't make them ourselves anymore. We outsource to a co-packer. We're in a position where we're, you know, we have capacity to make a lot more, which is so exciting because what it means is now the challenge is really like selling the product and getting it Mm. into more stores. So I'm hopeful that it, I'm hopeful that in like three to five years, Stellar Eats is in a lot of big grocery stores. It's super accessible. It's like, you know, a name that people know when they think of healthy baking mixes. Um, Yeah. Those would be my main goals.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Do you have any exciting innovation or maybe product ideas that you can share? I know some people keep these things close to their heart, but where you might be leaning towards, or even do you envision Stellar Eats branching out of baking mixes into different categories, perhaps?
0: I don't think anything's out of the question in terms of branching out of baking mixes. I think the baking space has so much potential in it. um, And it feels like, you know, sometimes it feels like Bob's Red Mill really has a handle on all the natural baking so i think there's definitely room for a little scrappy guy to get in there a bit but um so definitely baking for sure um we have a new seasonal product coming out hopefully in the spring which i won't spoil but you know i'm always working on the bagel i think it's something that people (laughs) would love i i'm even inspired now maybe i'm gonna go back to the drawing board a bit
1: (laughs) blueberry bagel those are some of my favorites
0: oh Blueberry bagel, yeah. We actually I'm wondering whether you use like freeze-dried or dry or like dehydrated blueberries for that in a mix, so lots of tests.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um the baking category is definitely one that's that everyone has been watching lately. If there's anything that came out of COVID in a positive light, it was the baking category, right? And you say Bob's really controls the category, and they do what COVID did was it opened the doors for new brands because their product was sold out. Right. So then trial was a little bit more, um, easy to, easy to, uh, develop. Right. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Now there's a lot more eyes on the baking category, right? So it's, it's primed for a a new brand, which is awesome.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I think there, I think, you know, yeah, COVID was not a bad time to be in home baking. Um, Mm -hmm everyone was doing so i'm i'm you know I'm, I'm grateful that our customers took a chance on us and we've built you know this loyal base um and that i hope we helped make their lockdowns a little sweeter
1: <laughs> it's only the beginning outside of StellarEats.com, which if you're if you're listening go to StellarEats.com, buy some products get in the kitchen you'll have a blast and you'll have some fun and it will uh Taste amazing as well. But outside of that, where can people find your products?
0: People can find our products. So we have a store locator on the site where you can check out we're in over a hundred retailers. So hopefully one near you. You can also follow along with us on Instagram, stellar.eats, um, where we post, you know, new retailers and any new product launches. And especially if you're signed up for our email list, you'll get, you know, exclusive discount codes and all that good stuff.
1: Head over to Natura Market too. They just launched on Natura yes. Market. Go check them out. That's an exciting one. I was a part of it. So that was super exciting. So head over to Natura and check them out.
0: Thank you. In
1: terms of where they can find you, where's the best place if they want to get some advice or just to chit-chat, LinkedIn, social, where's the best place?
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm really passionate about talking to entrepreneurs Especially, I feel like there's a lot of women in the food space like me who went to nutrition school and maybe don't have a business background and don't know where to start. And I always like to say, if I could do this, literally anyone can do this. So I love having conversations with women like that. You can reach out to me on stellar.health. That's my Instagram. That's probably the best way.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I think, you know, at the end of the day it's time to grow right it's to drop little snippets to help really to help people really just have that moment of 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 opportunity to grow personally and in business or whatever and i think you dropped a lot of helpful um helpful business knowledge and experience so i really appreciate you coming on the show um for the audience um thank you for listening and don't forget it's always time to grow